Welcome to the Building Big Things podcast with me, Sri Lata. If you are listening to this podcast, you are a person who has an innate, burning desire for freedom. You're in technology, you're in finance, you're in consulting, in real estate, in healthcare, in services. You have figured out how to make good money. Now you want to figure out how to buy yourself the freedom to do it when you want, at the pace you want. This is the show. This is the show for you. Building Big Things. My name is Sri Lata and I'm a data scientist turned full-time multifamily investor. The last six years, I have relentlessly pursued passive income through apartments, and I'm almost at my target cash flow, and I want that for you. This is the show that's going to give you real-life strategies broken down step-by-step along with a side of inspiration to help you build that apartment portfolio that's going to generate a multi-six-figure income. This podcast is going to walk you through how to take your nest egg and turn it into a perpetual cash flow machine. Hi, welcome to the very, very first episode of the Building Big Things podcast. I'm Sri Lata, and I'm excited to have you here listening to this very first episode. If you're listening to the very first one, you probably know or heard of me in some way, shape, or form. So I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast today. This is actually going to be a series of really trying to understand why multifamily investing works. And you've probably come to this podcast because you want to learn more about multifamily investing, and you've heard words like, you know, financial freedom and uh, tax benefits and exponential growth and, um, you know, apartments, apartments throwing out rent and location independence on all of these, you know, buzzwords that uh, tie back to multifamily investing. And today we're going to really go under the hood. And uh, in the series of episodes, we're going to really understand um, why multifamily investing lends itself uh, to working for some of these, some of these goals of ours as investors. And all of us come to multifamily investing with a problem to solve. We either want more freedom, we want more flexibility with our existing um, lives, we want some monthly income, we might want to grow our portfolios faster, uh, we might want tax benefits. There may be a lot of problems we're, uh, we're, we're, we're trying to solve with our investments. And today we're going to really unpack, uh, one piece of it. And we're going to have a series of five topics that we're going to cover in understanding, uh, multifamily under the hood. And one of those topics is leverage, which we're going to talk about today. In future episodes, we'll be talking about the concept of equity versus cash flow. We're going to be talking about exponential growth. We're going to be talking about the tax benefits. And then we're going to talk about the path to freedom uh, and what that looks like with multifamily. So today we're going to talk about uh, leverage, which is a 
um, a topic that's close to my heart. And it really uh, is one of those light bulb aha things that once you get it, it really starts to make sense. Let's talk about what leverage really is. Leverage is the ability to borrow uh, other people's money or to borrow from a bank uh, and not have to put the entire sum of money uh, to buy a particular asset. So let's take the example of a piece of real estate that you're going to buy. Let's say the piece of property is worth $100,000. You're going to borrow from the bank. You can take a loan from the bank for 80% of the purchase price or 80% of the $100,000. And that's about $80,000. So you need to bring to the table $20,000 in order to make that property yours. And that very simply put, uh, the, the bank offering you 80% of the value of the property is what is called as leverage. And what that's allowing you to do is if you think of it as a, as a crowbar, right? To say you're trying to lift a really heavy brick and, um, you're not able to lift it just with your two hands and you're going to find a crowbar and push it under the brick and then lift it up, uh, with, the help of the crowbar, that's exactly what the bank is doing for you. You're trying to get to buy, you know, we're trying to get to something that's a pretty big asset. Okay. Real estate is a pretty big asset and you don't have the wherewithal to do it just by using your own two hands or your own down payment. You're going to use the bank's loan as a little crowbar, uh, as leverage to help you take on this big, uh, big piece of real estate. And that might sound intimidating for to some of you, but the truth is that real estate, uh, especially investment real estate, makes money on your behalf. So uh, it 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 offsets some of the um, uh, the fears that come with borrowing uh, large sums of money, and that is a mindset shift too that we, we as real estate investors have to make. And it's a shift that I had to make when I first started as well. When, when I was taking on more debt, it did seem like those numbers looked, they looked big. And I would think to myself, wow, this is way more than even my own living expenses put together. But the truth was I was only looking at the expense line item. But when I look at the income coming from the property and then I look at the expense of the property and then it, it doesn't look so bad anymore. I also want to put into perspective leverage uh, when it comes to multifamily. So even though uh, you are taking on debt to buy this piece of real estate and that you are then going to rent out and provide housing to folks. Now, housing is a very basic human need. And if you've you know, in the past, you at some point in your lives, you've probably come across the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, this little triangle that goes all the way from, you know, food, clothing, shelter at the bottom uh, to, um, I believe, self-actualization at the very tip of the of the top of the triangle. Um, so what multifamily provides is so basic that it's at the bottom of that hierarchy of needs. It is a very basic need of, of housing that you're providing in. When you look at it in terms of a risk scale, it's actually a very low risk type of investment because it is not something that can vaporize overnight. Um, it's an actual tangible piece of asset that you can touch and feel. Um, 
It's not going to go down to the value. The value of the property is not going going to go down to zero. And as long as you buy in a relatively strong, healthy market where there's jobs and people uh, and migration, there really is no uh, risk where you or or a situation where your entire apartment is going to suddenly go vacant. And I, you know, I have thought of these scenarios when I first started out and I was really trying to understand like what are the risks involved in, 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 you know, what are the possibility that my entire apartment's going to go vacant? And ultimately we all have to, uh, look at the actual individual property that we're talking about and make sure we feel confident going into it that it can be rented, uh, for the price that we're looking for, expenses that we're expecting to happen, and um, we have money set aside for contingencies. And if we have all of these pieces in place, uh, then we have mitigated our risk as much as possible. There's no investment with no risk. So what we can do is we mitigate the risk as much as possible by making sure we have cash reserves, by accurately estimating our expenses and income, by buying enough insurance and uh, by, uh, you know, hiring lawyers if we need to, to structure our entities the way we need to. So by doing, there are so many different ways within multifamily that we can, one, hedge our bets, uh, reduce our risk as much as possible uh, to the point where comfortable taking on that investment. And ultimately, if you're doing the investing yourself, you have 100% control over uh, all of these components. So if you don't feel comfortable with one, then you just have to tweak it. Um, either tweak the market or tweak the type of property that you want to until you find your sweet spot. And once you do that, uh, then uh, it's just a matter of moving forward with closing the deal and such. So really, it, it, don't let any of these things hinder you. Uh, all you need to look at it as is a is a is a is a stumbling block where you figure out um, your your path forward by readjusting your strategy, readjusting your priorities, and readjusting your uh, tar- target because you know that multifamily can get you to the goal that you want. It's just about what your path is going to look like versus my path or, uh, you know, versus somebody on uh, social media uh, who's taken a different path to get to that. So we talked thus far about what leverage really is, but now I'm going to touch on what leverage does to your initial capital uh, at the end of the deal. So a lot of times people don't fully understand this before getting into real estate, but they, they really definitely see it, uh, in action. Um, uh, if they've ever bought a, any piece of real estate, doesn't matter if it's single family or multifamily, but you'll, you would have seen this work, uh, if you've ever bought a piece of real estate, but I'm going to reiterate it for those folks, um, that have not either recognized it or have not bought a piece of real estate yet. And, what that, what essentially I'm going to try to do is I'm going to try to tell you what the end result is going to look like at, uh, of having leverage versus not having leverage. So let's assume you're going to buy a property. We're going to look at two scenarios of how you're going to finance the property that's going to result in a different outcome. One scenario, scenario one is going to use leverage and scenario two is not going to use any leverage. So let's take this example where you're going to buy a property worth $100,000. That's the value of the property. You are going to, in scenario one, go to the bank, and the bank's going to fund 80% of that $100,000 loan. The bank brings $80,000 to the table. You bring $20,000. You close on the property. The property is yours. 
Okay. That's scenario one, where you've used the bank as leverage to let you borrow 80% of the value of the property. Now, scenario, let's do scenario two. Scenario two is a scenario where you are going to pay all cash for this $100,000 property. Okay. You're going to put in $100,000 all cash in scenario two and buy this property. Okay. Now, let's say time has passed. Uh, say a year has passed, two years have passed, and now the property's gone up in value. The property is now worth $120,000. So the property has gone up 20%. It used to be 100000 Now it's $120,000. It's gone up 20%. Now, uh, uh, in both scenarios, okay? In both scenarios, the property value has gone up from hundred dollars to $120,000. Now we're going to look at your return on your capital in both of these scenarios. In scenario one, you put in $20,000 and you made $20,000 in appreciation, right? The property went up from $100,000 to $120,000. Uh, at, at the new value, you've made the entire $20,000 because your bank loan's not going to go up. Uh, and that, that entire appreciation is your money to keep. So you put in 20, you got 20. That's a hundred percent return in scenario one. Now let's go to scenario two where you paid all cash. You, now you you bought the property for a hundred thousand all cash and now you've made $20,000. So on your total invested capital, you've made a 20% return on your capital. So I really want to take a second here and reflect on what we just said. Scenario one, you made a hundred percent return when the property went up only 20%. In scenario two, the property went up the same 20%, but your return on capital was 20%, right? So with leverage, you got a hundred percent return. Without leverage, you got 20% return. So that's a big difference, right? It's not like 10% difference between the two scenarios. It is, what is it? 80% difference, right? One In one scenario, you made 100% of your money. In the other scenario, you made 20% uh, return on your capital. And that's exactly what I'm trying to illustrate here. And that's the power of leverage. Uh, if you allow the bank to give you 80%, your return on your capital is much, much higher. Getting 100% on scenario one and you're making 20% on scenario two. So it's a larger multiple than we could have imagined if we uh, did scenario two, which is putting all cash down to buy a rental property. So if you take nothing away from today's, today's, uh, if you take nothing away from today's episode, I hope you'll remember scenario one versus scenario two and why leverage is the most powerful tool available to real estate. And if you don't use it, especially in the early stages of your investing journey, you are definitely, definitely missing out. Before I wrap up for today, I'm going to leave you with this quote from Robert Kiyosaki on leverage. The word leverage simply means the ability to do more with less. I'll see you next week.